Well, this morning, I, I guess it goes along with, um, I like that idea, the blind guy challenging Ben Hogan, you know, and he says, yeah, and then he says, we'll play at 10 o'clock tonight. <laughs> That's a good idea. And might as well play on equal turf. So um, expect the unexpected. And um, that kind of goes along, that story goes along with the scriptures that I have for today. And I, <laughs> this, this text was the first text I ever spoke from. <laughs> first sermon I ever wrote was from this particular text. And um, I, I did have the sermon until about two years ago, whenever we moved. And I had stacks of sermons, you know, I mean, I had stacks of sermons written out. And um, I didn't have room for them, so I burned them. <laughs> and my son said, Dad, why didn't you scan them? I goes, oh, scan. <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> so, you know, all those years of writing, I had, I had, some of them I had all filed and categorized and notebooks. I had like 25, 30 notebooks all categorized with sermons and everything, burn them all. Because I don't preach, I try not to preach the same sermon over again. Now, I may use the same text, but I have, well, as Rhonda says, I can preach the same sermon, uh, same text numerous times and never say the same thing. <laughs> so I guess that's... Um, well, I always try, like, when I, when I do funerals and things, I often use the 23rd Psalm. And sometimes I'll ask people, did I, did you hear me ever speak this 23rd Psalm? And Rhonda will say, it doesn't matter if they've heard you speak on the 23rd Psalm because you're never going to say the same thing the same way again. It just is different. And I think of it in the context that God helps you to understand the need of the people that are sitting there. So the need of the people who are sitting there, God helps us, helps me to present thoughts and, or inspiration to your own heart that will be there to, for your moment in time that you're, you're here and for this moment in time in which we're together. So uh, the title of my message is Expect the Unexpected. Now that's a hard thing to do, <laughs> expect the unexpected, because what am I expecting? <laughs> well, if you... Uh, think about it, it's, if it's your birthday, and your birthday, uh, expect the unexpected. So I'm expecting a gift, but I wonder what it'll be. <laughs> you know, I wonder if it'll be big and, you know, a uh, BHAG. I love that story, that BHAG. Do you know what a BHAG is? A big, hairy, audacious goal. <laughs> I can't remember who the guy was. It was in one of those um, books that we used for development and organizational development and things like that. But he talked about the BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal. And so whenever we think about expecting the unexpected, well, what is the big, hairy, audacious goal that you have in mind for your life and for where you are going? Well, the scripture that we have today is in um, Luke. I believe, yeah, Luke, Luke chapter 8. I want to make sure it was there. And it, it is talking about the individual, Jairus, and his coming to Jesus and the woman with the issue of blood, the woman who had a, a bleeding concern. Now, um, whenever we pray, we have an expectation of what the answer is because we know what the need is and we, we, we can kind of figure this out. 
well, this is my problem or this is my need, and so this is the way I think it should be answered because it's just a natural progression of this to this, okay? Now, it's just the way it should be. And that's how we see it, and that's how we pray, and that's how we think it's all going to happen. Well, when Jairus comes to Jesus, his daughter is ill, and she is dying. No, yeah, she's dying. And so she, he comes to Jesus looking for a healing. And then the woman who has the issue of blood, the, the bleeding disorder, she is crawling wanting to simply get in touch with Jesus that something, something will happen. And I'm sure she feels that she might get healed if, you know, it's almost like a, a lucky penny or some, if you touch something, you'll get better. If you kiss the Blarney Stone, whatever that is, you know, <laughs> you'll, it'll all be good for you. Well, there, there is no magic. Um, there is this understanding of being with Jesus and that when Jesus answers our prayer it is a way that in a way that perhaps we were not expecting so we are expecting God to do something but perhaps not in the way that it outcome is there so the gospel of Luke demonstrates that Jesus is our Messiah and that he is in control of all elements right? so when we put our faith in position, we know that Christ and the Father, the Holy Spirit, all the three, three in one, they have created and sustained the universe. So sickness and disease and evil and evil, the devil himself and life and death and physical problems, weather and all the stuff are subject to God and to his, to his word. And we see this taking place um, in the scriptures when Jesus is on the, you know, in the boat and his disciples are all worked up because he's sleeping and there's a storm and they're all going to, they think they're all going to die and Jesus is unaware so they have to wake him up. Well, <clears throat> whenever we are, <laughs> whenever we are praying, when we are faced with a difficult task, when we are going through normal life, what are we expecting? And when the day is finished, did it end the way you were expecting it to? Or was there something unexpected that popped up? So, in, in verse 40 of Luke chapter 8, And it came to pass when Jesus has, was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. It's important that, you know, Jesus had just come through the calming of the storm, which wasn't a difficult thing for him, and the uh, demoniac of Gerak, the wild man of the tombs, that Jesus had just performed those miracles of casting out the, uh, you know, the devil from, the, the demon from this, uh, this man who was wild in, in the tombs that no man could, could put chains on and tame him, and the calming of the storm in which the disciples and everybody was just all worked up over. So, Whenever we see, they were all waiting for him. Well, I was thinking of uh, whenever we're, we're waiting for him. Um, we, are, we are waiting, right? We are close to the truth. 
right? And I thought of that phrase, we're close to the truth. Well, it's like so whenever you use that phrase, close to the truth, it mean, perhaps it can imply that the truth is almost here, you know? But in reality, we are close to the truth, meaning that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so when we are close to the truth, we are close to Jesus. <laughs> We're close to everything that is true and righteous and holy and, and good. We are close to the, the one who created us, and we are close to he who has a perfect plan for our life. We are close to the one who wants to fulfill that plan in our life. And as we continue to grow in our relationship with him, we realize how close this relationship is. So in the sense that we are close to the truth doesn't mean that we're yet to discover what the truth is. We are close. <laughs> we are one with God, and he is one with us. We are one with the truth. We are together with the truth. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. Now, there were many synagogues. If there were a certain number of people in a community, they could, they could start a, a synagogue. Uh, the temple is different. The temple was in Jerusalem. That's where they did the sacrifices and so on. But the, the synagogue is where they would go and have their um, services on the Sabbath, and they would read the law, and there would be perhaps a priest there or someone who could speak, and the ruler of the synagogue would be in charge of that. And there could be one person or there could be many persons, and all depended on how large the synagogue was. Well, here is this man who is a ruler of the synagogue, and usually these rulers, are they take their cue from Jerusalem, <laughs> their headquarters. Whatever the, the rulers in Jerusalem are thinking and saying, generally the rulers of the synagogue, they, they comply with them. Well, this ruler of this synagogue was coming to Jesus. And he was coming to Jesus because there was a desperate need. His daughter, 12 years old, was sick. So whatever they were saying about Jesus in Jerusalem... He was close to the truth. <laughs> this ruler was close to the truth, meaning that he understood that Jesus could do something for his daughter. That truth. And so he comes to Jesus and he falls at his feet and, uh, and, and she's dying. And, but as Jesus went with him, with this ruler to the, his house, the throngs got around him and crowded him in. Well, I think of this as perhaps like the um, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus story where Mary and Martha had called for Jesus to come, but he didn't get there till four days too late. Well, perhaps there is this delay. Well, there is this delay. And the, the ruler of the synagogue, he is, he is anxious he wants Jesus to, you know, he, he wants these people to get out of the way. He wants, he wants an answer. He want, you know, he's desperate for an answer. That Jesus has to get to my house before my daughter dies. Okay? Often I, I think sometimes there is a, there may be a lack of desperation. Uh, there may be a lack of, like, abandonment that, 
we have so much and so many options, you know, in our life, we, it's hard for us to place so much faith in God because we have doctors, we have hospitals, we have jobs, we have neighbors, we have friends, we have family. We have many people that, you know, we can reach out to. Many, many, many places that we can go, the government, or whatever. we have many places where we can go, and if, if God doesn't answer, well, then I've got a backup. But in, these, in this time period, in these, in these situations, there's no backup. There's only Jesus or there's nothing. And so there was a desperation in this man, uh, and he wanted Jesus to come immediately, but, you know, he got interrupted. He got, he got delayed. Well, another delay is the woman in verse um, 43. The woman having an issue of blood for 12 years. <laughs> um, 12 years. The little girl was 12 years. The woman is 12 years. And this is the only time in Scripture where two situations are intermingled. That there is J- Jairus coming and wanting Jesus to come, and then while he's on his way, there's, there's an interruption. Now, this, this woman here, she had spent her livelihood uh, upon physicians and could, could not be healed. None of them could heal her. None of them could help her out in her situation. So she had taken everything she had and spent it on trying to get well. Okay? a desperate woman. Everything she had, everything she owned was now gone, and she's a desperate woman. And verse 44 says, she came up behind him. Now, who encourages people who are desperate? Yeah? What are, what are encouraging thoughts? What encourages us whenever we feel like we're desperate, that there's, there's nothing left. So what do we have for encouragement? And, and, and sometimes I think that whenever we're desperate, it's like, well, I might as well give up. <laughs> but desperation should not be a place of giving up. It should be a place of seeking, a place of coming to Jesus. And we need to, that's why I think the scriptures and the stories are so important because there are people who would not give up on, on their problems and give up on their situations. And so she came up behind him. Now, if, if we understand this, she is po- she's poverty. She's poor. She's a beggar. She's given up everything. Her family has been 12 years, and she can't get well. So she's uh, excommunicated from the city from the, you know, all the other people because she has this bleeding problem. And so she's, she's forced to be out of town, out of touch with everything that's going on in the community. So she says, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, what is she expecting? What is she expecting? Because she's saying here that if I can just touch the border of his garment and whenever she is crawling on the ground and she has, Jesus is surrounded by throngs to the point that he's being held up 
that he can't get to the home of Jairus to, t- to heal his daughter. So here's this woman crawling on the ground behind him. <laughs> Expect the unexpected. She's expecting to touch him, but what is she expecting to receive? So sometimes we feel like, you know, we see the desperation here. So she's crawling on the ground through the crowd. People are stepping on her. People are probably kicking her because she's a beggar and she has no, she has no place among people, among the men. And so she's crawling on the ground and she gets to the point where she reaches out and touches the hem of his garment. And immediately, immediately, something changes in her to the point she knows something has happened. When I said earlier that just spending a few moments with Jesus can change everything. What are we expecting to receive whenever we spend some time meditating on the scripture? What are we expecting to receive from God? See, that's not selfishness. That's the desire of our heart to know more about God. So whenever we are expecting to receive something, we're expecting God to do something in our life. And sometimes we expect, oh, God, I expect you to bless me. But you know what? Unexpectedly, we may receive something that we didn't think of as the blessing God wanted for us. (laughs) You know, we were thinking one way. Jesus was thinking another So here this woman, she touches the hem of his garment, and Jesus says, what's he say? Who touched me? (laughs) All right, now, we got to pause there for a moment. Who touched me? And when they all denied it, okay, so Jesus stops, this crowd's going on, and I imagine... This is just Dave McGee here. I imagine he says, okay, who touched me? <laughs> like, did we do the wrong thing? You know, who's been, who's been pawing at me? You know, who touched me? So everybody stops. And everybody, you know, he's looking around and everybody, no, I didn't touch you, I didn't touch you, I didn't touch you. And there's this lady on the ground who is laying there wanting to be unnoticed But the people who feel like they've been all trying to touch him have denied that they touched him, and they kind of like, I bet she did. (laughs) She did it. The beggar did it. (laughs) You know, but Peter says, you know, and this is where we get the idea that everything kind of stopped, and Peter's trying to make logic out of it. Jesus, (laughs) you know, don't mean to be, spoil the crowd here, but everybody's touching you. But you see, everybody was touching Jesus. They wanted something, but they weren't desperate in their touch. They, what can I say? It's, it's, uh, maybe it's like, uh, you know, people being, wanting to be with a, a movie star or, you know, be close to someone. Oh, I touched so-and-so. I'll never wash my hand again, you know. <laughs> you never met one of those people? <laughs> so, people are crowding. They're pressing against you. 
Jesus, I don't mean to bear bad news, but everybody's touching you. <laughs> you know, you need, to, you need to lighten up here. And Jesus said, after Peter had, you know, gave his wonderful dissertation to Jesus, enlightening him that everybody has touched him, uh, Jesus said, somebody hath touched me, for I perceive virtue is gone from me. By virtue of something as a result uh, uh, you know, whenever he says virtue has flown from me, virtue, something uh, as a result of something, someone as a result of something, okay, as a result of her pushing through and, and having faith enough to touch my garment, virtue flows from God. Jesus knew who touched him, but you see, he wanted everybody to know this woman who was an outcast, she's no longer an outcast. When Jesus called her out, he was putting her in front of the crowd who had been scorning her for 12 years. She had been pushed out of society for some 12 years, and now Jesus is telling everybody to stop and everybody's looking, you know, they've, they're giving Jesus a wide berth here. And uh, here's this woman on the ground, and she touched me. <laughs> you know, we used to, we, have a, we had a chorus we used to sing years ago. It was, uh, he touched me. Oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. Okay, he touched me. Now, there are no, numerous times in the scriptures where Jesus touches people and they're healed. But in this case, she touches him by faith. And whenever we pray, faith draws virtue. Something as the result of something. Okay? If I throw coffee up in the air, <laughs> what's, what's going to happen? By virtue of me throwing this up in the air, something's going to happen. It's going to come down. <laughs> and some of you are going to get a free drink of coffee <laughs> all over you. All right, so. But by, vir by virtue of something, something happens. Virtue, flo virtue has come, flown out from me, flow out from me. When we pray, virtue, as a result of your prayer, something happens. It's like where there's an action, there is a reaction. So this is what's going on here. By virtue of her desire to touch the hem of his garment, something happened. By virtue of her actions, something happened that something happened. Something happened, she touched him, something happened, flow, the healing came to her. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she wasn't hidden. Where was she at before? She's on the ground, hidden from everybody, because they're all trampling around her, and she is crawling through the crowd and amongst their feet, and she's just reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' garment, and now she's no longer hidden. <laughs> they can all see me now. Uh-oh. She came trembling as if she had done something wrong. 
because all the other people felt the same way. They all denied that they touched him. So they're all kind of afraid that they did something wrong. And she, falling down before him, she declared unto him, and before all the people, for what cause she had touched him, and how she was healed immediately. Jesus, I've been sick for 12 years. I have had this problem for 12 years, and I knew if I could just touch you, everything would be different. <laughs> you see, and Jesus said to her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. He wasn't trying to belittle her or call her out for something wrong. He was trying to let everybody know her faith had healed her. And in our life, it isn't the faith of somebody else in this case it's the faith of the individual. Now, there are occasions in which, you know, the four people who brought the, the guy on the, on the bed, their faith brought this man to Jesus. <laughs> and he was, he was healed. In our life, we pray for people. We bring people to Jesus. We're carrying them, as it were, to Christ and praying for Christ to heal them. So there are many different ways that people pray and receive healing. But in our own life and in this situation, we have Jesus telling us, if you do something, something will follow. Virtue. By virtue of you doing something, something will follow. By virtue of your prayer, answers will follow. Okay? By praying, touching Christ, something will follow. Where there is an action, there's a reaction. It's a law of nature. While he yet spoke. <laughs> so, we have this wonderful event going on. This woman is healed. And I can imagine Jairus is there, wow. I, I, this, is, this is a confirmation. God is going to do something for my life. Jesus, we've got to get to my daughter. So he's excited. Things are going well. Things are going, turning around. And, so, and then what happens? Somebody comes from his house and Jairus, don't bother Jesus. She's dead. Your daughter of 12 years of age is, has passed. So there's this up and there's this down. <laughs> there's this encouragement, I've got to get a hold of Jesus and if I can just get him to come to the house, everything will be okay. And the expe expectation, if I can get him to come to the house. The unexpected, he didn't come in time. <laughs> All right, so. Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. This is where we often stop. We often stop where we think it ends. <laughs> Just like Mary and Martha. Jesus, if you'd have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. Here, if Jesus, if you just showed up at time, my 12-year-old would not have died. And <laughs> But when Jesus heard it, 
What do you think? Well, okay, Jesus hears this. She's gone. She's passed. What is the expected, what is the expected response? I'm so sorry. But not Jesus. He has something else in mind. What is the unexpected? He says to him, uh, he answered him and said, fear not. When the unexpected happens, we often are afraid. We are afraid of what's coming next. We are afraid of what has just happened, and our fear causes us to lose faith. But you see, when fear knocks at the door, let faith answer, and no one is there. The fear is gone. Fear, fear, is not, fear is not a gift from God. Fear is not in our closeness to the truth. Our close relationship with Jesus Christ does not allow for fear because he doesn't, perfect love, and he is perfect love, drives out, casts out, throws out all fear. And you see, when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, fear not, believe only and she shall be made whole. Believe only. Okay? Believe only. <laughs> believe only. You know, we would say, only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. Only believe. Well, the ex- why do I need to believe? What I, ex- you know, I, 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 the expected happened. The 12-year-old is gone. What am I to do? Jesus said, only believe, and it'll be okay. So, and when he came to his house, (laughs) okay, when he came to his house, he suffered no man to go in with him, okay? So all these people, there's these throngs of people following Jesus. He arrives at the house, and Peter, James, and John, the father and the mother, they're the only ones permitted in the house. All the throngs had to stay outside. And then inside the house, there are all these mourners and paid mourners, and, it's very, and that's normal. They, all these people were wailing and crying, and, you know, the whole thing's going on. And it was, it, was, it, was, it was part of their grieving process. It's not a bad thing. It was just part of their grieving process to be expected and do that. So all wept and bewailed. But Jesus said, weep not. She's not dead. <laughs> Do you ever notice what happens when we know more than Jesus? <laughs> you ever notice what happens when we know more than Jesus? They laughed him to scorn. These people knew more about this child than the creator of the universe does. So they thought. We sometimes are like that. We sometimes think we know more than the creator of the universe. And we will laugh at the promise of God. That's not for me. That's for somebody else. Divine provision, well, that's for somebody else. God walking with me and helping me and sustaining me, oh, that's for... Do not scorn the word of God and Christ's application of that truth to your life. And the word scorn means that someone is worthless. They laughed Jesus to scorn. They considered his words worthless. The word made flesh and walking with us. God walking into the room 
And they considered what God had to say as worthless. (laughs) What did Jesus do? He put them out. (laughs) Do you know what we do with doubt? Doubt, it's not wrong to examine. You know, Jesus is not saying that the girl's not sick. Jesus isn't saying that the girl's not dead. He knows that she's alive. Her body may have stopped functioning, but she's still alive. And he took the doubts and he cast them out. All you people who are doubters, get out of my life. Get out of the house. The things that create doubt. Now, we don't have a problem dealing with truth. There are problems that we face and there are difficulties that we face. And, you know, people have a, I have a very real problem. I have a very real God. Okay? I have a very real problem. I have a very real God. I don't need to be in denial to have faith. I can look squarely at the, Jesus looks squarely at the tomb of Lazarus, and he says, roll the stone away. He's in there. Yeah, he is. Move the stone. You have a problem. You have a very real God. Jesus said, take the doubts and put them out. And then he put them all out, and after he put them all out of the house, he goes up to the little girl, and he, took her, and he takes her by the hand. <laughs> and what happens? Maid, arise. Hey, little girl. It's time to get up. It's time to wake up from death. And you see, <laughs> all of us are going to wake up from death. If we die before Jesus returns, Jesus is going to awake and he's going to say, hey David, <laughs> wake up. We do not need to be afraid of life. We do not need to be afraid of death. We do not need to be afraid of problems. We don't need to be afraid of the difficulties. We need to push through the crowd and we're crawling on our hands and knees knowing if we can just get to the, to the truth of the matter, Jesus, the way, the truth, in the life. If I can get to the truth of the matter, everything will be okay because God has a plan for my life and all of the people will scatter away from me and I'll be left there thinking, oh my God, what have I done? And Jesus said, you've done the right thing. You touched me and your life has changed. Jairus What have I done? I've come and I've disturbed the master and my child is still gone. Jesus says, don't worry, it's okay. And in our life, that's what we need to do. We need to believe that there is nothing that is impossible with God and the God who raised this little girl from the dead, the the God who, Jesus, who responded to the touch of this woman with the issue of blood, she was healed, that he will respond to us. We expect him to respond, but we don't quite know what it is that he's going to do, the unexpected. (laughs) So, ask, push through, (laughs) put out the doubters, hear the word of Jesus, Arrive, 
receive. Let virtue flow into our lives that we might be restored, healed. The unexpected will come true in our life. Amen? Let's stand. (laughs) The unexpected will come into our life. The truth. We're getting so close to the truth. (laughs) Well, it doesn't mean I'm close to the revelation. I am close to the person who is the truth. Jesus, hear our prayer. Let us touch you, O God, with our prayers. God, we expect by virtue of our prayers, we are going to receive. We have prayed, and by virtue of our prayers, something is going to happen. Virtue is going to flow into our lives, and the unexpected, the answer, Lord, will come. We know this in Jesus' name. And the answer is, amen. So be it, Lord, even as we have prayed. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Let it be even as we have prayed.